0: Welcome here to the, this um, confusing uh, topic. Uh, and so um, when I was asked to present on gender and sexuality, uh, I was initially pretty excited. I didn't hear a no from the Lord, so I took that as a yes. Um, but then I, reality hit, and I wondered, how do I fit? I probably have several hours or like a weekend uh, amount of teaching into 45 minutes. So, thus went the cut and paste and trying to ask the Lord for fresh manna for you. And so, um, have compassion on me this morning because you're going to be hearing sound bites. Sound bites on an issue that's really relevant and important uh, into our culture, into our church. And uh, so, I'll be sharing foundational belief structure. What do we believe in? Uh, what, do, um, what is the cultural landscape within the church, primarily? And our call to compassion. How do we live our lives well uh, for the world to see? So those are kind of our three foundational things that we'll be talking about. I'm not going to talk about what's happening in culture. You can look on the internet. You can see in the news what's happening. And we're not going to talk about that. Nor will I go into great depth of my own story. Um, If you want to hear my story, grab me at lunch. I'll be happy to share uh, my story with you. I do have a daughter at King's School, and so I, we have not told her our stories, and so we just want people to respect our privacy in that place where we'll tell her uh, when she, when the Holy Spirit is telling us to tell her. Uh, so who am I? I'm Kenny Warkington. I'm associate pastor at Trinity Baptist Church. Uh, I'm husband to Paula, uh, one wife. Uh, I'm father to Phoebe, and But people, some would say I'm a privileged white male. Uh, I'm a son, I'm a a brother to four siblings. I like golfing, photography, arts, music, home decorating, uh, cooking, gardening. I love people a lot. I enjoy sitting down and having an in-depth conversation over a good cup of coffee. Um, But I find unknown social settings uncomfortable. This is uncomfortable because I don't know everyone really personally. Um, for me, making small talk is like going to the dentist and having your teeth cold without freezing. So think about that. So I like in-depth conversation, and that's my happy place. Um, I'm someone who has struggled with extreme bullying, um, abuse, addictions, uh, depression, anger, and I've wrestled uh, through same-sex attraction and gender identity confusion for some 40 years of my life. I believe for years that homosexuality was the worst uh, imaginable sin, and thus I viewed that I was um, somebody who God didn't particularly like. Um, all of these things matter to me to me as a human being. Um, all of this and the things I still am learning about myself, and it's really important to know who you're talking to when we're having a conversation, to hear the backstory. Of how they see life and what their vision is like uh, it was it is all of these things have formed me of who I am and I'm with that I'm grateful I I'm, I'm grateful that I'm still i um, able to see for many respects through the filter of my experiences I see um, life through that lens um, yet my new identity and crisis began to transform my vision into better vision 2020 vision about how I see myself and how I see the world around me a great message yesterday uh, on 2020 vision and seeing the lost and having a burden for the lost and so this is gospel good news of Jesus Christ getting a better understanding and a vision um, who we really are you can see in First Peter 2.9 uh, we are a ch- uh, chosen race a royal priesthood we're a holy nation a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is who we are.
1: Yeah. yeah. And
0: that's good news. We see here in a, as a bigger picture of who we are, not as individuals, but a corporate body, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, not just priests. Uh, we're a holy nation, a people for his possession. We're a corporate body and we belong to the Lord and we belong to one another. And um, we are made up of differing parts, all being made into the likeness of Christ. So we're made in the image of God, but we're being made into the likeness of Christ. United in purpose, uh, each one of us is called to lay down our lives and our identity for the sake of the gospel of Jesus. But things are not how they should be. This should be like a drum beat or a uh, cymbal crash. Uh, Confusion came into the world, and I would call this the question in the two gardens, um, the tale of two kingdoms, heaven and hell. This is foundational. Um, Confusion came into our existence through the fall of humankind. Here, Adam and Eve, uh, living in the bliss of the kingdom of heaven on earth, uh, walking with God, communing with him. What a great picture, right? I I wish we were in that place. Uh, but they're tempted in this place uh, with the accuser. The accuser says to them, did God really say? And in that moment, sin and death entered into humankind. And it now permeates into every aspect of our world. Creation, everything that's created in God's image. So looking at, it, at creation, it's, it's now in disre- disrepair. And human, our human lives and our identities, our relationships our identities. We are now, in reality, living in the kingdom culture of hell. We're born into that. Things are not the way they should be. Our relationships, our sexuality, our desires, gender, everything in this culture is bombarded to believe uh, in cultural philosophies that we are the product of our own destiny, that we are the God and creator of our lives. That's the number one thing that um, society... Has a hold of, I can be the product of who I decide to be in my gender and how I view my identity as a sexual being. How do I live that out? Uh, Saying is that I'm my own person, right? Uh, Rosario Butterfields in the Gospel Coalition uh, says this quote, homosexuality then is not the unpardonable sin I noticed. It is not the worst of all sins, not for God, It's listed here in the middle of the passage as one of many parts of this journey that departs from recognizing God as our author. Homosexuality isn't casual, it's consequential. From God's point of view, homosexuality is an identity-rooted, ethical, outworking of a worldview transgression inherited by all through original sin. That's a key aspect of her quote. Uh, it's so original to the identity of the one who bears that it bears it that it feels like it precedes you, and as a vestige of original sin, it does. We are born this way, but the problem line hit me between the eyes. Homosexuality, whether it feels natural or not, is a sin. God's challenge was clear: Do I accept His verdict of my sin at the cross of Christ, or do I argue with Him? Do I repent even of a sin that doesn't feel like a sin, but normal, not bothering another soul kind of life? Or do I take up Satan's question to Eve, did God really say, and hurl it back in the face of God? Uh, Everyone that is created uh, in God's image is bombarded with the enemy's lies. Uh, His one goal is to steal, kill, and destroy from us and from those with um, outside of the church community. That's his number one goal. His goal is to keep people from believing in the gospel message of Jesus Christ, which is great news, that he can transform and redeem every life that's out here. That's his goal. He doesn't want anyone to believe that you can actually be transformed into Christ's likeness Uh, He wants to keep people in captivity. Uh, He wants to get people to believe that this life is all they got. So live at large. Right? That there's nothing beyond our human existence here. And to keep people bound in fear, confusion, and to keep people from living and flourishing in the kingdom culture of heaven, which is where God desires for all of us to live and dwell in. Amen? So that's, that's what the enemy is trying to do. That's behind the scenes. So we have to understand that the issue of gender and sexuality is a spiritual issue. It's an intimacy issue for sure. But there's a spiritual dynamic at work that we don't... We, we're looking at the outward experience, the outward experience of sin and what it looks like, but actually, in reality, there's an enemy at work uh, who is um, deceiving people to believe that all, all they have is within them. right? There's nothing beyond that. The gospel message of the kingdom of God is found in the work of Jesus, where in the Garden of Gethsemane, he cries out, Not my will, but yours be done, Lord, which is the call to submission. So our call is to submit our lives to the Lord, a place where we lay down our lives and find it in Jesus. And so we, in that place, we exchange kingdoms. We come from the kingdom of um, culture of hell and, and all the things that it paints a picture of. And we exchange that for the kingdom culture of heaven, which is life and life abundant. Um, Galatians 5, 16 to 18, 22 to 26. I'm not going to read that. Um, but this is the fruit of the Spirit. We're called, this is the kingdom culture of heaven, living in the fruit of the Spirit. Um, joy, love, peace, forbearance, forgiveness, gentleness, kindness. These are all the things that we are called to live in. Mm-hmm. This is the kingdom culture of, of believers.
1: Yes.
0: And everything out, outside of that is the kingdom culture of of hell, selfishness, greed. My own um, self-identity is way more important than submitting it uh, to the Lord. Um, anyone struggle with living by the Spirit? Yes. <laughs> Daily. Daily. <laughs> Amen. We should, because it should pin- pinpoint to the secret crevices of our heart, which point to the fact that we are poor, we're naked, uh, we're blind, and we're deaf. And we need the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So we're, it's pointing to that play, place. But God knows all about that. He is for us, not against us. And His plan is good. It's loving and kind. He is rich in mercy and He's abounding in love. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. And He is in the business of redeeming and transforming lives. And so our biggest thing for, um, in our culture in these days is saying, does God still redeem? And does He still restore? Because the world around us is saying, he doesn't. Right. Yeah. He won't redeem, and he won't restore. And gender and sexuality is one of those things that you can't talk about. Yeah. And you can't bring up. Right? So we're, we're in the business of saying, God, you can do it. Praying and interceding, and saying, God, you are on the move in these days. Would you move in this in this realm in our society? We have to have a need, we have to have um, this understanding of this foundation, that the kingdom culture of heaven, kingdom culture of hell, that God is redeeming and restoring so that we can flourish and live by the Spirit. Because God's calling us, that's our number one. Live by the Spirit, first and foremost. Um, the, I think the enemy, uh, go, go off notes just a minute, I've got to really keep track of my time. But I think the enemy really wants to distract us by what's going on in culture. And we get distracted by that and then we stop living by the Spirit. We get confused. We get anxious. And we're called to bear witness to Jesus to the world around us. Yeah. Not by what we say, but actually what we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to be silenced in what we say. I yeah. don't um, you know if you have heard, I guess now I'll talk about a little bit of politics, but they're removing some books from Amazon because it talks. any book that's talking about um, that there's freedom from homosexuality, mm-hmm. or there's freedom in redemption of uh, transgender—all of these things. Are, and and we can submit our lives to the Lord Jesus, and we can flourish. Well, they're they're banning books. Yeah. Wow! And so you got to remember that the enemy is silencing his number one thing is to silence the church, mm-hmm. so we don't bear witness. Mm-hmm. But we don't look at that and go, "Oh, I'm gonna be scared and worried." I'm actually called to live a a vibrant, flourishing life uh, in my house. Mm -hmm. I don't have to say specifically these um, address certain issues, but if I'm flourishing in my sexuality and I'm submitting it to the Lord, that's giving glory to the Lord and people are seeing it. Mm -hmm. Right? We'll talk about that a little bit later. So we need to understand what we're dealing with spiritually, our foundation, living by the Spirit, and so we begin to see people in a different light. I love how Mark talked about that yesterday. Seeing people in a different light. Having a burden for the lost. And seeing the person. The heart of the issue. We, we see their issue. And we go, oh, I can't love that person. But I go, no, we have to see the heart of the issue. And love that person into the kingdom. And trust that the Holy Spirit will do a good work. Right? Do a really good work. Hopefully in this place we're seeing... Uh, and having a conversation filled with compassion which causes us to pray for the person in our secret closet Mm. intercede uh, treat people with dignity and respect because they're born in God's image created to give him glory they just don't know that yet and grow in love for our neighbor our foreigner, stranger, enemy those four things are all people outside of the kingdom of God and yet that's where we're called to love and we're called to go and make disciples in that place. Um, a brief story. Our family supports uh, North Point Douglas Women's Center. It's in our neighborhood. Um, and we go to their dessert fundraiser every year. So they do a cake auction. They serve amazing pierogies. Uh, so we go with another church in our denomination and we we support this ministry because they're doing great things. Um, they're supporting women and children, supporting and we know we're going to rub shoulders with gay and lesbian people in this uh, resource center. We know that uh, we're coming to unbelievers, right? And we feel, feel called to say, you know, you, you support life and you support health, wholeness. Support the ministry, right? Support the community. They're actually now taking initiative in this um, um, resource center of saying, actually, fathers are really important, so we need to actually be invested in fathers, which is, I just read that this week and I was like, what? That's amazing because we've been praying into yeah. um, this whole um, fatherless generation, especially in the North End. And here this women's center is saying, well, we see that we can't just uh, minister to the women. Anyway, so that's off topic.
1: Um,
0: but we, we went there a couple of years ago and um, Paula stayed at home and I took Phoebe and she's about seven years old. And uh, we don't have to say anything. We just join cake and pierogies. But this year, um, the person who was carrying the cakes and showing them off as the auctioneer uh, was auctioning the cakes off was a drag queen. Oh,
1: yeah. And
0: so here I am there with my seven-year-old daughter. And my daughter goes to me, Dad, why is that woman wearing so much makeup? And I was like, oh, no. Oh, here we go. (coughs) Kingdom. Kingdom, Lord. Kingdom. And, you know, she doesn't know our story, and I don't want her to know yet. um, Days of drag queening and all of that. Um, But for me, I I instantly had um, compassion on the drag queen. And knew that he had a name. And he had value, intrinsic worth. So she, I said, you know what, I could hide Phoebe. and say, yeah, she just wanted to wear a lot of makeup. But I said, no, Phoebe, this is actually, that's actually a man, Phoebe. And she was like, what? <laughs> why would he do that? Right. Well, backfile. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, but I said, you know, the question isn't um, why. I said, I said to Phoebe that he has intrinsic worth. That he's actually born in the image of God, just like you are. And he's valued. And he's probably really enjoys what he does. But do you know what, Phoebe? He's really mocking women. He's making fun of femininity. And that's not good. But he doesn't know that yet. So we can't talk about that. But what we can do is we get to know the person. We can pray for them and value them. Right? And so we prayed for him. Uh, and, and she hasn't talked about it since, but she has now talked about other issues. <laughs> uh, but our call is to pray and love for those who are different, not hide off into a cave and not um, expose our kids or address issues. We're actually called to see the heart of the matter. right? And so that was a really good lesson for us um, and really good lesson for Phoebe to see um, that we are caring for the person, right? Showing love. Um, today in Christian culture, and I'll just maybe highlight this book. Um, this has all the definitions. <laughs> right now, this is a this is a um, resource that the Canadian Baptists of Atlantic Canada have put out. Uh, it's ministry and LGBTQ. Uh, This is an amazing resource. We've gone through it. I use a lot of this material in teaching um, because it really addresses um, how to love and be compassionate. It does talk about theology briefly in here, a little bit about politics, but it it, um, gives us language um, as we're going into the community. And that's really important. We need the language of the community to talk about issues. If I'm going to go in, I'm not just going to assume that I know what I should talk about, right? But we need to know what the definitions that they believe in um, and such. And so this also has some really good table talks uh, that you can use with your leadership, your youth ministry team uh, to talk about how are we going to form uh, how does does our faith inform what we are going to speak out into culture and how are we going to love radically. Uh, So these are if you want a copy, I've got 20 copies, so I need 10 for the next session. Um, but we just asked you to cover costs, six bucks for a, a book. Um, but again, it's a it's an amazing resource. Uh, from that book, um, the, she talks about the Christian culture um, as happening around us. Uh, four different views when it comes to LGBTQ people. They actually have three in there, and I've added a fourth. Um, but these are the four... Uh, Views when it comes to LGBTQ people and relationships. Uh, Number one is that Christians that support same-sex marriage and relationships, believing God blesses these relationships. We're moving fast into this area, number one. This would be on this end. An extreme um, uh, version of that, or belief system. And a lot of people are moving into that place because they hear a story that compels them um, to say, wow, that's too bad. I don't think God uh, would withhold love from you, right? That's the fundamental understanding of that and and the belief of theology saying, well, did God really say, right? Um, Christians, number two, Christians who promote celibacy for the same-sex attracted, believing, acting on same-sex attraction is outside of God's best and outside of God's design for human flourishing, Uh, Number three, Christians who believe that identifying as LGBTQ is not God's best and that God can transform attractions to the place where you may even enter into a marriage with someone of the opposite gender, all the while still having residual attractions toward the same sex. Uh, Christians who believe, number four, that even identifying as LGBTQ is sinful and God can heal you of those attractions. So number two and three are kind of like in the middle. Number one is over there, extreme. And number four, I think, is an extreme um, case of that. I think God is calling us to live in number two and three. uh, And to live vibrantly and flourishing in that place. I adhere uh, to number two and three, but I lean more on number three because I believe that we can't put God in a box to say that he can't redeem and restore us to have attraction for somebody of the opposite gender or that your gender can totally... Transform back to how you were born. And so that's, a, that's how I believe God can do anything. And I'm not going to put him in a box. I would think um, that we, in this room, that we probably fit into number two and three. Uh, I don't want to debate these four positions, but rather, how do we um, treat and live, um, t- treat real live people within the LGBT community? So the question is, how can we be welcoming yet not affirming? How can we be compassionate yet not condoning? That's the number one question that I get um, in these days. And I want to reframe that, because recently I heard someone say that they um, are a welcoming and mutually transforming church. I love that. Welcoming and mutually transforming church. Um, Because that puts the onus on everybody that we are all transforming into the likeness of Christ, right? And so we don't even have to, we can just remove that affirming and condoning, saying we're going to mutually transform together, right? I believe that uh, we should be welcoming everybody who is interested in, in knowing Jesus, and that the Holy Spirit is able to transform every person so how do we do this practically? you have got um, four points. I'm we'll quickly go through so we have some uh, Q&A time. Uh, we point G- people to Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God. This is number one. Uh, if we do anything, this is our number one go-to. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. We are not the saviors of those caught in sin. cannot save you. It's the revelation of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit that brings somebody into the knowledge and the wonder of Jesus. So we pray and we intercede. That's our call and we point people um, to Jesus Christ. Um, Specifically with those within the LGBT community who are not believers and are struggling with their sexuality and their gender identity, we can't tell them how to live. Because right now, they don't believe they're sinning. They believe they're, in, they're being authentic in their attractions and their belief structure. And so our call then is to love, radically um, bear witness of who Jesus and what Jesus is doing in our life. We welcome people in, we invite them uh, to know Jesus, the one who broke bread with sinners, who touched the lepers, who made blind eyes to see, even ours, right? Remember how he made our eyes to see? Uh, Each one of us is naked, wretched, poor, blind. Each one of us here continually continually need the revelation of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God and his power. Every day we need that revelation. So be free to talk about the ways Jesus is transforming you. But it comes in relationship. Uh, I liked Mark's thing about being in relationship and taking risks uh, to know people who are different than us. I think that's our biggest challenge as believers because we like who we are. And we should. We should have vibrant uh, fellowships where we are breaking bread and doing life more radically than we ever have before. Right? Um, and laying down our life for one another. But then we're called to go out of that and do the same uh, to the community around us. How is the Holy Spirit pointing out sin issues in your life and how are you walking this out openly in community? So being open and transparent and real with those both inside the church and those outside of the church. Every part of our lives, our finances, sexuality, relationships, ethics, rest, work, thought life, retirement, everything is called to come under the submission of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And in these days we're pressing into the presence of the Lord and yeah, Trinity Baptist. And you know what? I feel like this is our call. Uh, we are too afraid of our, our lives being lost. Yeah. We love our life way too much yeah. in the West. And our God is calling us to lay it down. Yes. Uh, we are building kingdoms here. And God is saying, aren't you called to reach the lost? And how do you do it? Specifically in the area of LGBT, LGBT community, who um, view us as backward and hateful. Right? And so our theology paints a picture of how we're called to live and now God is saying, can you flourish in that place? And point people to Jesus because Jesus is doing a good work in you. Right? And you're flourishing in every area of your life. Everything's coming under submission of Jesus and you're flourishing. And the world is going, whoa! That's amazing! Right? And they're being attracted to that. Um, number two. Um... Yeah, I'll go back. We can, and we should be boldly be able to talk about God's beautiful design for sexuality because we believe and experience God's best and flourish here. Really, at a picture of us, we are actually really boys and girls masquerading as men and women. <laughs> like deep down, our hearts are, are broken. And growing up in the Lord and asking the Lord to grow us up in the church so that we are men and women... And he heals all of those things, insecurities, fears, and then we're called to live vibrantly in that place, and we can boldly flourish in our intimacy with one another. Right? And that's not um, the intimacy period. We have an intimacy issue, but that's another topic. Um, number two celebrates celibacy and honor marriage. Um, celebrate um, celibacy as a place of dignity and calling. Are we actively celebrating singleness, singleness not as a waiting room for marriage, but a place for dignity and value? And I really, I, I, I'm, I came to that place of going, Lord, I came to a crossroads. I was happy if the Lord called me into celibacy but the Lord did a different call, right? And sometimes I wish, oh man, wish I had chosen celibacy. Because uh, marriage is a lot of work, a lot of work. And it's not because of my background. It's just a lot of work, right? And we don't talk about that usually, right? And we don't talk about how do we celebrate um, celibacy in the way that we can flourish and, and show a picture of Jesus um, meeting our needs, Right? And how do we meet our needs within the body of intimacy, with intimacy? Because there's LGBTQ people who will come to know Christ and who will choose celibacy because they honor the Word of God. And so then how do we meet their need, right? Our, our need will be that we invite them into family, right? That they're not, they're not intrinsically broken, right? But we're adopting the lonely because they're lonely. They're really there's a desperate aloneness in their heart, and so they need to be loved on, they need to, to have all of their, their um, emotional needs met within the body of Christ. Um, their intimacy issues. Number one is, is Jesus Christ. right Jesus Christ is going to be the one that does the, the groundwork in that place, but we are called to bear with one another, and part of that is intimacy. Uh, we can live without sex people. We can. The world says we can't. But we can. It's doable. Um, yet those who are celibate, um, those who are celibate are human. Um, their intimacy is a need and they need that to flourish. Um, we need to honor marriage by not taking covenant lightly. We need to really talk about marriage. Uh, we we are a, a Western view of marriage is divorce. It's in... in fidelity. Uh, so we need to talk about how do we honor marriage and take our covenant um, with great respect um, and so we choose to bear with one another in love for lifelong commitment, not in drudgery but in transformative love for one another. Um, our marriages are, are, are our marriages flourishing in health and wholeness so the world sees it. Does the world see your marriage and they see a flourishing marriage, right? Um, Are we honest about the difficulties in marriage? And are we walking alongside one another in accountability? And I think because we often isolate and say, well, um, this is our marriage, right? So we're not going to talk about our issues. But actually the Lord calls us to bear that with one another and say, can we walk alongside each other in the seasons of ease and difficulty? Uh, What is your church known for? Is it a beautiful community? That's number three. Uh, a vibrant, flourishing community loves radically. Um, oftentimes, the church is better known for what they're against than what they're for. And people, that's what culture says. The church is against this, 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 and this, and this. And they're not seeing what we're for. And the church needs to see what we're for. And so my challenge for you is to make a long list of all the things that you are for. What is your church for? What do you stand for? And what are you going to put a stake in the ground for? Um, to be a vibrant um, community. Like, you should be a beautiful community for the world to see, right? People should be so um, stunned by the things that you do that they are drawn to you. And the gospel is about justice, mercy, grace, love, kindness. Amen. Get all back to this, the fruit of the Spirit. Walking in transparency uh, where we, the church, can nurture, support, challenge, care for the poor. Poor um, are the physically poor, the emotionally poor, and the spiritually poor. And the people within the LGBTQ community are spiritually poor. They're emotionally poor. They're physically poor. And they face discrimination, they face bullying, and they, they, they face a whole lot of things that the church has historically laid upon them and we've been with our placards saying we're against this, we're against this but the Lord is saying actually, what are you for? Will you give them water to drink? I was at a vision of going to the, the um, pride and just giving out water and not saying anything just giving out water because the Lord quenches their thirst and he wants to do that Right? they're, they're thirsting for something uh, we, can we give the journey of sanctification space to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into a person's life rather than impose our own hopes and beliefs on that person quicker than what is needed or asked for? So are we waiting to be patient?
1: Yeah.
0: And are we, wish, are we willing to be loving and long-suffering? I know my family and people that I knew um, prayed for me. They were long-suffering in my journey. And they had to surrender everything to the Lord. Even the fact that they may never see me come to knowledge Jesus Christ. Right? They surrendered everything um, to love me. Um, Hope is practicing naming our tension that we have and flourishing in community life. So we name the tension that's within us and we flourish in community life, Um, not condemning that this is the transforming love of spiritual community. Uh, and number four last one I'm going to quickly try so we have like five minutes for Q&A we learn about the LGBTQ community I cannot say that enough learn about the community Um, don't let ignorance be your friend meet someone who is queer and please don't call them queer that's a, a call that they would they themselves would say right they would call each other queer but those outside of the community wouldn't call them queer right Learn how they want to be defined by So if someone you know is uh, within the LGBTQ spectrum, learn about how they self-identify. Get to know their life. Get to know their partner if they're not partnered. Get to know their hopes and their dreams. Um, they have a whole lot of things inside of them beyond what we perceive and know. What we often see is the 10% of the population that are the activists. And we form an opinion by that 10%. And they are forming the 10% from the activists in the church community, which is hateful, right? And so we've got to dispel those two things and say, actually, God's calling us to see and to know and to be with those who are different, to share the love of Jesus. Listen to their stories, ask questions, look at the, the person with dignity rather than disgust, even ask the question, how can I serve you? How can I serve you? Are there ways the Lord may be calling you to rub shoulders and befriend those who are different than you so that you can bear witness to Jesus and their life? Um, how often are we equipped to say, I love you, but don't love what you're doing? I love what Mark said. Can we just remove that? Yeah. We want to have that as like the precursor. Oh, I love you, but don't love what you're doing. I've heard that a lot. And, and people within the community have, have heard that a lot let's remove it from our vocabulary uh, because all they're wanting to do is to, to have an honest conversation with us and for us to close our mouth until the Holy Spirit says open it
1: yeah.
0: right so can we trust the Holy Spirit is at work and is going to do something we have to be expectant that the Lord is actually going to do something in this relationship if he brings you to somebody and you, you begin loving and, and sharing your life with them. Ask questions, be interested in their lives. Not as a project to save, but because they're created in the likeness of God. Formed and imagined in their mother's womb because they have value. Okay. One, uh, one last thing. We can't convince anyone that homosexuality or sexual expression or gender identity um, outside of a, a monogamous heterosexual marriage is wrong. We can't verbally say that. We can't expect them to believe that. But what we can expect is that the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and Him rising from the cross um, is the work that we need. To believe in that Jesus Christ can transform and the Holy Spirit is at work um, where we're repenting of our own sin. And I really believe in these days that we're called to praise the Lord. That the call of the, the walls of Jericho coming down. Yeah is if we can praise the Lord in our midst and pray without ceasing, we're going to see radical transformation in our city.